Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Well, uh, the title of our message this morning is The Toughest Commandment. Um, You know, this is my opinion, by the way, of what the toughest commandment is. And I, I think I'm going to make a pretty good case for this this morning, that what I'm about to share with you is the toughest commandment. So you might, you might be thinking, well, what is the toughest commandment? You know, you shall not covet. You know, that's a tough one, right? You know, I, not, not wanting what other people have. Uh, you might think, well, you know, do not judge. Some people have a really hard time not being critical of other people. Uh, you know, uh, is it the turn the other cheek commandment where if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them your left? That's kind of a tough one, isn't it? I mean, how many people want to be slapped on both cheeks? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, or uh, how about this one? Consider other people more important than yourselves. In our American culture, that's a really, really difficult commandment to, to live by. But the, I, I think the commandment that I'm going to present to you this morning it's more a command from the Lord than a commandment, but uh, it includes all of this stuff, by the way. So that's why it's so hard. That's why it's so tough. It's because it includes all of this. And I, here's a disclaimer this morning. I, I've had this sermon on my heart for about two weeks. Um, this is like two weeks ago when I preached on home. That was a warm, fuzzy, just wonderful sermon. It felt like getting into a uh, a hot tub, you know, and, you know, just turning on the, the pump and, you know, just, aha, home, it's wonderful, it's, it's, church should be like home and all that, that's great stuff, yeah. Um, th- th- this is a little more like diving in the deep end of a cold pool or whatever, but, um, but I don't want anyone to walk away from here discouraged this morning because I want to say this, you and I cannot live the Christian life apart from Jesus and his spirit within you. The, the little fad that came and went years ago, the J- WWJD bracelets, I really had a fundamental problem with that because the question was, what would Jesus do? Uh, as if we could just do what Jesus did. And um, it, it should have been like, what, what can Jesus do through me is more, the better question. Or in this situation, how can I allow Jesus to live his life through me in this particular case or circumstance? Because we cannot live the Christian life apart from him. We cannot pull this off. If you are living the Christian life and you don't need a spirit, then I question whether or not you're actually living the Christian life, (laughs) honestly. And so I know I can't do it. And the Lord and I have had lots of long conversations about Lord, I feel like I've disconnected from you and I'm doing this on my own. How can I get back into that connection so that I, so it's you living this life and not me? Does that make sense? So please don't walk away from here this morning depressed or discouraged because what I'm asking you to pay attention to, I'm not asking you to do on your own. In fact, uh, I would highly recommend that you not do this on your own. So don't try this at home alone, okay? All right, so let me go ahead and and go to that question. What is the toughest commandment? What does Neil Haney think the toughest commandment is? 
And basically, it is this. Jesus said to them, follow me. I'm going to just let that sink in for a second. (laughs) So, follow me. That two-word phrase, that two-word command, it's an invitation for one thing. But it's also a mandate for the Christian life. Two quotes. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, when Jesus calls a man, when Jesus calls a woman, he said man, but when Jesus calls a person, he bids us come and die. Wow. And it's true. I get chills thinking about that phrase. When Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. Come follow me. Where did Jesus' life go? Where did it lead to? It led to the cross, right? We just sang two songs about that. Come follow me. Come and die. Come, come and die with me. Let's, let's go. Yay. Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. But you know, it was exciting. It is exciting. The disciples left their nets. They left their family business and followed him in that moment. Did they have second thoughts? You bet they did. Did they turn back at one time or other? Yeah. But there was something about Jesus. There was something about that invitation that wrecked their lives in a good way. And this morning, I want us to have our lives wrecked in a good way. I I hope that we look at these words and it's not some scary command that we've got to die on some cross. Although that could happen, you know, in this life. But that we would be like those disciples, every one of them except for John and Judas, of course, died as a martyr for their faith. Because Jesus is worth following. He's worth following. He's worth giving up everything to follow. By the way, this particular phrase happens in Mark 1.17. It also happens in every other gospel in some form. Um, you know, I know that, that Bill Hybels, the pastor uh, in, in Chicago, um, you know, has fallen into uh, disrepute, unfortunately, uh, but uh, hopefully God can restore him. But he never called the people in his church Christians. He called them Christ followers. And I love that phrase. That's a really good phrase because Christ followers, that you know, there's something to that. There's something beyond just, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. He died on the cross for me, and uh, now I go about my life. No, we're Christ followers. That, that, that implies that we're going somewhere and we're doing some things that have to do with him. <laughs> and so to follow Jesus is a really big deal. To live like Jesus lived is a really big deal because it's going to involve at some point suffering. I'll talk more about that. Uh, To only do the will of the Father. Jesus says, um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. It means to lay down your life for the Father and for other people. And so I want to get to the text, and I want to set the context for this very quickly. 
Um, this is uh, from the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is a very special person because Luke is, as far as we know, is the only Gentile that ever wrote a book of the Bible. Every other author of books in the Bible were Jews. They were Israelites, except for Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke, which, you know, obviously. And he also wrote the book of Acts. And Acts is kind of a continuation of Luke. It's like you could just take those two and put them together and have one long story about from, from Jesus' um, uh, birth until uh, the death of Paul, he, he gives this. And, and Luke, by the way, was Paul's doctor. He was a Gentile doctor, and he ministered to Luke physically uh, as, as uh, he ministered to Paul physically as Paul went through his life. And I'm going to tell you, Paul kept this guy busy. <laughs> We're going to see the list towards the end of the sermon of the things that Paul went through. It seemed like Dr. Luke was constantly doctoring Paul. But where, what Luke did is, is when he and Paul went down to Jerusalem, he got with the disciples and he interviewed them and he wrote down everything he could about Jesus and about the things he said and the things he did. And so he has this wonderful gospel that's based on the testimony of the disciples. And Luke 9 is where we're about to read. The context of Luke 9 is that, that Jesus has just asked his disciples who do you say? Who do people say that I am? And of course, they answered. Some people say you're, you know, the resurrected John the Baptist who had been beheaded already. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're one of the prophets. And then he turns to them and says, "Well, so who do you say that I am? You've been with me for a while. Who do you say that I am?" And Peter has this moment of brilliance. There are very few uh, in the Gospels, but he has this moment of brilliance where he says, "You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Now, in the Gospel of Luke, he just says, you're the Christ of God. I love the fact that Luke leaves out of the story what happens next with Peter. He doesn't show Peter in a bad light, where Peter's like, you know, having this argument with Jesus and ends up losing. Luke doesn't include that. So here's what, here's what, Luke, say, or, uh, here's what Luke records about this particular incident. Now, he's just said, Peter's just said, you are the Christ of God, you are Yours, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied this way, Oh, shucks, guys, you should not have said that. You know, I'm really not worthy of that kind of... You know. No, he says, And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day raised, be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. For what good will it be for them to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Wow, that's, I'll tell you, this is a tough sermon. Yeah, so, so let's look at this again. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. These are all the religious leaders and really the political leaders in Jerusalem and Israel at the time. And he must be killed 
and on the third day be raised to life. (laughs) To truly follow Jesus is deadly serious business. Guys, I don't know how else to say this. When Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. To truly follow Jesus means to potentially suffer. You know, there's, there's a lot of talk in, in the, the New Testament about suffering. You know, you don't hear a lot of sermons on that. Um, and, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But suffering is a part of this Christian life. It's a part of following Jesus. I told you all the disciples were martyred. John was exiled to the island of Patmos, which is basically a prison. An island, an, it's kind of like uh, um, San Quentin, I guess, uh, the, 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 one, the prison out on the island off the coast of uh, California. But, you know, to, to follow Jesus is to suffer. In, in fact, in Romans 8, it says, we will be co-heirs with Christ if we also suffer with him. The brother of Jesus says, James says, in, 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 you know, right out of the gate in James, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you in, in encounter various trials and suffering because that produces a lot of good stuff in your life, including patience. Suffering is a part of, of, of being a follower of Christ. It just is. And sooner or later, we're all going to experience it. I said potentially but it's pretty much a guarantee that there's going to be some suffering in this life if we follow Jesus, we truly follow him, to potentially be rejected by powerful people. I was just talking to someone this morning. Um, uh, a family member took a stand about something, and the, their entire family turned on them. That's going to happen. They were rejected by their family. That's, that hurts. When you stand for the truth and people that you love turn on you and and, and they persecute you, and they say all kinds of bad things about you. Jesus said rejoice over that. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Rejoice when people persecute you and, and, and put you down and say all kinds of evil things about you. For great is your reward. <laughs> wow, that's fun. Yeah, wow. And then to potentially die as a martyr. I mean, that's, that's what happened to Jesus. You know... Um, how many of you are familiar, familiar with the book The Heavenly Man by Brother Yoon? Anybody read that book? Two people? Yeah. I would really recommend reading that. It reads like a novel. It's about... Um, Brother Yoon was, uh, is a man my age. He's, he, he and I were born the same year, 1958. I know that's old, but yeah. And um, Brother Yoon became a Christian. It's a miraculous story about how he became a Christian in China. And he was one of the founders of the house churches in China. Um, Story is incredible. The stuff he went through, the miracles that happened in his life. The the way he got his first Bible was was incredible. I'm not going to take time to tell the story. I just want to say that this man suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered. The police showed up one day at his door after he had started uh, one of the churches, uh, house churches, and arrested him, and he was gone from his family for five years. The second time he was imprisoned, uh, he was taken out of his cell 
taken to an interrogation room, and they beat his legs until he was completely crippled and disabled and took him back and threw him back in his cell. And he couldn't walk. And one day the Lord told him that, just like, remember how the story of Peter, where they, Peter, the angel woke him up and said, let's get out of this prison, and the doors opened, and the same thing happened with Brother Yoon. The Lord said, get up, I'm, 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 uh, I'm freeing you. He walked past three guards, three gates, out the front door, got on a bicycle. He was halfway home when he realized he could walk. <laughs> Incredible story. But, I mean, that, you know, those kind of things happen, guys. We, we, we've lived in a, a nice bubble. And I'm not so sure that bubble isn't about to pop, honestly. To follow Jesus means to choose to do the Father's will over our own will. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must. Okay, this is, the, this is the core of the most difficult, the toughest uh, command. Deny themselves. Uh, Americans don't like to do that. Take up their cross daily. Daily. Do you know that's a... It's like saying, take up your electric chair daily and follow me. And follow me. Whoever wants to be my, be my disciple must deny themselves, must take up their cross daily, must follow me. You know, Jesus has a lot of admirers, but not quite as many followers. Not quite as many disciples. To follow Jesus means to deny ourselves our own will and way. Not my, Jesus said in the garden, not my will, but thy will be done. As Jesus is, so are we on this earth. Jesus set, set, set the standard. He set the bar. He said, this is how it's done. Not my will, Father. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to suffer at the hands of the, of the Pharisees and the Roman guards. I don't want to be scourged by two Roman soldiers. I do not want to be stripped naked and nailed to a tree. I don't want to go through that, Father. That is not on my list of my bucket list of things I want to do in this life. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's why you and I are here today. That's why we're not headed to hell. Guys, because he said no to himself and yes to the Father. And we're supposed to follow him. Take up your cross daily and follow me. To take up our cross means to do God's will, the Father's will, each and every day of our lives. I don't, I don't meet that standard, but that is my goal. I would love to be able to say with Paul, as he said in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. But I'm, I'm, that's my goal. That's where, that's, that's honest to goodness. I, I, I want to tell you that every day of my life, I pray, God, fill me. Father, fill me with the knowledge of your will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that I may walk in a manner worthy of you to please you in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in my knowledge of you, my intimacy with you, my, my, my oneness with you, 
Strengthen with your power, Lord, the power of your Holy Spirit, according to your glorious might, because I want to live like that. And, and guys, I'm, that's not, I, I just don't feel like I ever quite get there. But that's, that's where I'm going, and I want you to follow me where I'm going. Okay, that's why I'm talking about this this morning. And I don't want this to be about me. It's about Jesus. It's about the Father. It's about his will. So don't, please don't look at me right now. To follow Jesus into places and along ways we may not always want to go. One of the last things Jesus said to Peter before he, he ascended back to heaven is, Peter, at the end of your life, and it won't be that long, people are going to come and they're going to bind you and they're going to take you where you don't want to go. Do you still want to follow me? At that point, Peter's, <laughs> he was totally broken. He's like, Lord, you know I do, but you know what I just did. I just denied you three times. I just ran away and abandoned you. Lord, I want to be that way, but I can't. I, I just don't know if I got it in me, and I'm quite sure I don't based on what I just did <laughs> and what I didn't do. And then Pentecost happened. And this coward became the great apostle who was crucified upside down when he died at his request. To truly follow Jesus means to lose the ownership of your own life. Giving up control of your life. Ouch. That is not an American dream right there. That is not... Uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm sorry, guys. The kingdom of God is counter to the kingdom of this world, the kingdoms of this world, including the good old U.S. of A. Life, lordship, and the pursuit of God's will is the kingdom of God. Life in Christ, giving up our our rights to ourselves and following him, seeking to do the Father's will in all things. It's just really hard. It's just really hard. You know, um, I meant to, to mention something. I'm going to go back one slide, and I want to share something with you. To follow Jesus into places and along ways we may not always want to go. We do a, a, something called School of Kingdom Ministry in our church. Each, each fall we do this, and it's a, it's a nine-month course. With, there's a long break um, in January and February. It's almost two months long. So it's like three months and three months or three months and four months or something like that. But anyway, it's about seven months altogether, and it's the best thing I've ever done. You know, just I mean, in terms of classes or courses, uh, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. But during the course of the course... Uh, and we're learning about, you know, we, we learn about worldview, we learn about biblical worldview, we learn about um, our identity in Christ, we learn about kingdom theology, what it means that, that uh, you know, Jesus uh, is the king and the kingdom of God is wherever his rule and reign is. And, and what we're doing, why it's called School of Kingdom Ministry, is that when we minister in his name and his power and his love and we minister healing and salvation and deliverance. We're extending the kingdom of God. But then there's that awful night when we come to, to the class, and it's, it's time to go out. It's outreach night. And we've got to go somewhere 
and it's usually two or three people in a car, and we've got to go out there someplace and, and try giving prophetic words and praying for people to be healed. And I, I, I'm a leader, and I dread that because I'm having to go where I don't want to go. I'm an introvert. I, I don't want to talk to strangers. My mom told me not to talk to strangers, you know, and it's scary. And, I, and I've had some pretty bad experiences talking to strangers. I never will forget this old guy. He's limping into Walmart. And the Lord, I felt like the Lord wanted me to pray for him or at least offer. So I walked up and I said, sir, I see you're limping. He's like, yeah. You know, this, the hardest people in the world to minister to are guys between 60 and 80. They're just, they're tough cases, man. And so this old guy's limping and, and I walk up to him. I was like, can, can I... Uh, 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 would you mind if, if I, um, I said, what, what's wrong with your, I have bone on bone, you know, my knee. I'm about to have surgery in a couple weeks. I said, uh, do you mind if I pray for you? I, follow, I mean, I'm, he's not stopping. I follow him into the store, you know. He's, he's shopping by the time I ask the question. And uh, I said, do you mind if I pray for you? He said, I don't care. I was like, no, I mean, could I pray for you right now? He's like, no. I was like, thank you very much. Have a good day. <laughs> you know, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that. I don't even like it when they say yes, because then, you know, it's like, oh, what if nothing happens, you know? And uh, I don't like that. I don't know of anybody that really likes that. I got a really good friend. His name is Brian Blount. That dude is like, he prays for people. They get healed. He loves the be on, you know, the phone with AT&T or, you know, Spectrum or whoever. And he just, he's got him cornered. He's like, okay, you know, now you've helped me. I want to help you. He's like, I just, I feel like the Lord just told me that you have like a really bad pain in your left shoulder. Oh, yeah, how did you know that? Well, I, I'm just practicing hearing the Lord's voice. And he just said that. I mean, he posts this stuff online all the time. He actually interviews the people that he prays for when he can. Like when he goes on the streets, you know, he... And he'll have them tell the story about how God healed them and then about how they gave their lives to Christ. It's just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see this stuff. He hates doing that. He doesn't like it. He's more of an introvert than I am. But he keeps stepping out in obedience and stepping out on obedience. And, it, you know, life really is best out on the water, out of the boat and out on the water. But we don't like it out on the water because there's wind and, and waves and it's dark and we know that we could sink at any moment. It's just not fun sometimes. So to truly follow Jesus means to lose the ownership of your life, right? So giving up control is uh, kind of a an American problem. It's a first world problem. Dennis has taught me, I'll complain about something and he'll be yelling, like, yeah, that's a first world problem. I'll be like, oh, thanks. You know, she didn't bring my syrup. Yeah, that's a first world problem, Neil. You know, anyway, we're, we're out to lunch and having, you know, anyway, kudos to Dennis. He keeps me honest. Whoever wants to save their lives will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. You know, that's a biblical principle right there. It's a, that's a kingdom principle, principle of the kingdom of God. You give and you receive. You die and you gain life. You're, you humble yourself and he exalts you. 
You lose your life for Jesus and you save, save it. It's just, it's just a, a biblical principle. What good will it be for them to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very soul? Guys, I want to tell you something. I'm afraid that there's some Christians that are in for a rude awakening when they finally stand before the Lord. I hope I'm not one of them. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I'll tell you a story. There was a, there was a gathering of one of these churches in China. I heard this story at a, at a Christian concert many years ago. Down close to Cincinnati, there was a group. I can't even remember who the strike, the striper or so. I don't know. Anyway, it's a group, and, and they told the story. The group, the the, the lead singer told the story. He said, um, "Just heard this out of China. There was a church where the uh, the church was infiltrated by uh, the government guards. They came in with guns." They discovered where this place was, and they came in in the middle of the service and said, and they took a Bible and they threw it on the floor, and the, the head of the guard said, um, unless you walk by here and spit on this Bible and leave, we're going to shoot you. And so one by one, they got up, walked by, spit on the Bible, and walked out the door, except for this one man. And he came, and he stopped, and he looked at the guy, and he got down on his knees, and he wiped the spit off the Bible, and he kissed it. And they shot him in the head. But he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't ashamed of the Lord. He wasn't ashamed of his faith, of his Savior. You know, I, I, um, I believe, guys, that we may be entering into a time of great cost and great glory. If we're willing to pay the cost to follow Jesus, I believe that God is going to infuse his church with great glory. But I believe there's a cost to this. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen, even the rest of this year. I've heard prophecies that say that we're going to enter into some rough times. But I want to be ready. I want to live well. I want to meet this not with panic and fear and, and terror, but with faith and trust and peace and joy, rejoicing in my trials. You know, um, the Apostle Paul he, he said to the Corinthians, uh, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And at the end of 2 Corinthians, he, he does, does this, he apologizes like 15 times for doing this. But he says, I, I, I know that there are people that are saying that I'm really not that great and that you shouldn't be listening to me. And I understand that they think they're great and you should be listening to them. And that's great. But there's a reason that I feel like that you should listen to me. You bunch of knuckleheads. Like I said, Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, I really think should be called first and second knuckleheads. But anyway, because these guys were unbelievable. Read, read it. You, you'll understand what I'm saying. 
But he said, guys, I, I just want to give you some of my credentials as an apostle. Um, the Jews have given me the 39 lashes. It's 40 lashes with a whip minus one so they don't overdo it. Um, five times. Five times. Luke has his hands full, right? Beaten with rods three times. Stoned and left for dead only once. They stoned him to death, and then after they left, he got up and walked away. That would have been interesting to see. He said, I've been in constant danger, and he just lists all the ways that he's been in danger, like 15 different ways he's been in danger. Shipwrecked three times. Shipwrecked three times. He spent an entire, like, 24 hours floating on a piece of wood out in the, out in the Mediterranean. Prison, in prison, most of the end of his ministry, like most of the last years of his ministry, he, he spent in prison. And I love what he says in 2 Timothy. This is kind of his swan song here. The time for my departure is near. It's like he's waiting for his airplane. <laughs> I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, he says, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. If you're ashamed, if you haven't followed Jesus, if you haven't been doing the Father's will, you're dreading the coming of the Lord because you don't want to be ashamed in that day. He said, there's a crown of glory for those who are looking forward to that. And guys, I want that to be you and me. I want to be looking forward. Come, Lord Jesus. The, 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 the bride and the spirit say, come, come, Lord Jesus. We long for your appearing because we've been doing the Father's will. We've been suffering for you. We've been, we've been dying to self daily. We've been taking up our crosses. We've been doing his will. And now we, we just want to see you come back. To truly follow Jesus means no shame in his presence. There's a, there's a just quickly, there's a, there's a scene in uh, Return of the Kings in the Lord of the Rings series where King Theoden, who at one point was possessed by some kind of demon and was dying, and then he, he's delivered from this demon uh, by um, Gandalf, the, the, uh, the wizard who is, is a... Um, He's a savior uh, figure. Wizard, don't, don't, get stump, don't stumble over that word. He was a good person. And he cast this demon out of Theoden, who then became a really great king. And uh, as he is, his, he's, he's been fatally wounded, he's laying his, his horse is laying on top of him. He's dying. And his niece, Erwin, who is a heroine in the story, comes to him, and she's like, Uncle, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this horse off. I'm going to save you. And he says, Erwin, he says, no, you already have saved me. He says, my, now, this is what he says. My body is broken. My body's broken. And I go to my father's, in whose mighty company I shall not now feel ashamed. You see what's happening there? Before, if he had died in that state of, of demonization, of, of being 
you know, just dying, sitting on that chair in his castle, having done nothing heroic. He would have felt ashamed in the presence of his fathers. But now, now he's given his life for something worthwhile. He's laid his life down to save his people. And he's dying. And he's good with it. Because he's now not ashamed to be in the presence of his fathers. In the mighty company of his fathers. I want to I see Jesus. And I don't want to be ashamed. I want to say, Jesus, I, I ran the race. I fought the fight. I finished the course. I did what you called me to do. Now give me a hug. <laughs> no social distancing in heaven, okay? Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.